I'm Zach Dunlap, pastor of Multisite at Birmingham and Berkeley First. Welcome to Church Folks, the new podcast where we interview folks from our church community about who they are and what God is doing in their lives. Throughout the Bible, people are encouraged to bear witness to what they have seen and heard. Continuing in that tradition, this podcast offers a forum for people to get to know one another and be inspired. Our hope is that the stories of these church folks empower you to share your stories, to inspire others, and to be a part of beloved community together. I'm here today with Shirley Hansen. Shirley, what do you love? What do I love? Yeah. First of all, I guess I just basically love life. I've enjoyed my life. I live my life as in with as much laughter as I can. Um, I love my faith. I love my family. I can go on and on. I love flowers. I love nature. I love animals. And especially, I love children. Mm. How have you experienced God at work in your life? Oh, geez. He has his finger on my life almost every day. Uh, There have been memorable things in my life. When I was 22 years old, they told me I'd never been able to have children, which was something that was a very difficult thing for me to accept because of my love of children. And I guess God took pity on me. And when I was 36, I gave birth to my son, my only child. And he has been the love of my life. And God has guided me in many, many directions. Um, Recently, probably the most important one in my recent time, I developed cancer for the third time. Now, God's been very good to me the other two times, and I knew he would protect me on this third time. It was an extremely difficult situation. Um, I ended up in the hospital five separate times, uh, two times in a nursing home. And my last trip to the hospital was five days in the psych ward at Beaumont Hospital. And it was due to a, oh, a medication that was prescribed to me that made me very depressed. And I think God sent me there for a reason. I, through group therapies, learned what these other 15, 12 to 15 people had endured in their lives, dealing with true mental illness. And when I left, I promised them that I would speak out about mental illness. And I felt God put me in that situation so I could carry out my purpose. I think perhaps especially right now, as we 
begin to come out of this pandemic and as people are dealing with job loss or grief or grief on top of grief, um, there are so many who are struggling with mental health issues. Um, and rather than shy away from it, I'm so glad that that you're willing to to share of your experience and um, be an encouragement to others. Um, Jesus created therapists and <laughs> it's okay to love Jesus and have a therapist too. Oh, yes. And as I laid on the couch in my living room, uh, extremely weak, I had lost 30 pounds in just a couple of months. Um Really at my ragged edge. At 82, I laid there and all I could think about is if this is what I have to face with the rest of my life, I would rather go home to God. And I knew God would understand. Uh, Maybe he wouldn't, but I felt that he would. And I called my son and told him, how upset I was. And I had been in a suicide prevention group for young middle schoolers years before. And I learned at that time that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Mm. And we have to have the strength to reach out and ask for help. I had a tray full of pills. I could have easily done it. And while I was hospitalized, uh, the psychiatrist in the psych ward immediately reduced my medication and told me that that's what they thought the cause was. And as I would go to therapy sessions, I just felt that I needed to go on, and the therapist in charge said, you really didn't want to commit suicide or you wouldn't have asked for help. Mm. And that's the important issue. Get help. What was going on in your mind and in your heart when you were weighing that that choice, right, between what do I pick up? Do I pick up the handful of pills or do I pick up the phone and, and reach out? What was going on in your heart and mind at that time? I have a lot to live for. I have wonderful friends. I have a wonderful family. But I did not want to be a burden. I didn't. All I could think about is I can't do anything for myself I'm going to have to ask people to wane on me. I'm going to have to be a burden to my son, my daughter-in-law, my granddaughter, who I used to run and play with her and have so much fun. And I didn't want to bring their lives down. And I have always, oh, I can't say I've welcomed death, But I'm not afraid of it because I know I have loved ones waiting for me. And Jesus did it. And I will be happy when I do die. I don't want to die, but I'm not afraid of it. And I think that's such a 
a healthy place to be in and also a, a place that our culture doesn't necessarily grasp, right? That, that you know, hey, I'm, I am ready to be in the arms of Jesus. Yeah, me um, too. <laughs> but at the same time, like, that, that's different from suicidal ideation um, in that, like, I want to live life to the full here and now as long as I have breath in my lungs. Um, but in those moments of despair... It can be easy to to forget that. And another thing, Zach, I think when you're in that, those moments of despair, you actually are thinking more about your needs. And afterwards, I saw the trauma that me even thinking about it did to my family and my friends. I have one good friend that lives close by that my son asked to come and sit with me until they could come and the police could come and take me to emergency. And she has since told me that that was one of the hardest things she had to do was to sit there and see this person that she really didn't recognize. I was so far from my own personality. And of course, today she threatens me, don't you ever dare do that to me again. <laughs> and I won't. I learned. Early on um, in my pastoral ministry, I had been a pastor for like two or three years. It was in the second church that I served. I remember going to see someone who was um, in an assisted living situation and she opened up to me and shared some of the suicidal ideations that she had had. Um, and she said, I don't even know why I'm telling this to you. And I don't think it had anything to do with me. I think it had to do with, you know, God being present in that moment. And she needed to reach out to someone. And I was, I happened to be the person who was there at the time. Um, and in her case, she was dealing with terminal illness where this wasn't something that was going to get better. And I felt God just gave me some words to say in that moment, which was um, that the early Methodists were big on holy living and on holy dying. And in some ways, dying well is the last gift you give to your children and, and grandchildren if you have them. Um, it's the last gift you give to your friends and those who love you. Um, I have a uh, great grandfather who committed suicide and he committed suicide when three of his granddaughters were pregnant. Um, he was, he was, you know, terminally ill. It wasn't going to get better and he didn't want to be a burden. Um, but he, never got to be a great grandpa. Um, and even though I never met him in person, like that's a piece of his legacy. That's a piece of our family legacy. And it didn't have to be that way. No, it doesn't, Zach. And I, as I got past this particular period of time where I was five days in the psych ward, 
I remembered what my mother went through when her brother committed suicide. She just couldn't fathom it and couldn't get over it. People don't realize, and as I said, suicide is a an impulse to solve a problem, not realizing it's permanent. Mm-hmm. But I have seen the aftermath of what it does. But while I was in the psych ward and listened to these other people in group therapy and the young lady that was in the room with me, she was a very pretty, young, 22-year-old, intelligent woman. She was in there to get electric shock treatments because she had been fighting this depression and potential suicide thoughts since she was 14. She had been in six different psych wards and had been assaulted in one. The girl has lived those years in hell. And People will say one day her father came in to see her and he said something to her to the extent, you're just looking for attention. Mm. And there's such a stigma with mental illness that people are hesitant to ask for help because society is going to look down on them and tell them, well, you can get over it. Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get stronger. And you can't. It's a question of you need help. And since I have been this open, I've had uh, three to five friends who have come to me and have told me about their uh, experiences with mental health and ask about what what I thought they should do, and I'm by no means an expert. But I felt that they just needed somebody to listen and then maybe encourage them to go to a professional Uh, in this pandemic. The suicide rate's horrible. Um, People are isolating themselves out of necessity. But we've got telephones. We've got our computers. We just have to reach out and continue to have some human contact. And if you're listening to this and... um you're experiencing despair or depression or suicidal ideation, reach out. Reach out to someone you know, to someone you love. Uh, Reach out to a local church. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. 8255. No matter who you are, no matter your circumstances or what you're going through, there is help and there is hope. If you're listening to this and you maybe have or haven't experienced those kinds of thoughts before, um, be the kind of friend 
that someone can reach out to. Not someone who's going to say, oh, you're just looking for attention. I, I would love for someone to be looking for attention. I would much rather um, someone reach out to me and have a conversation um, than, than me get a call to attend or officiate their funeral. And if you're listening to this and um, you're grieving the loss of someone you love to suicide, um, know that God is with you, that God is love that God does not cause horrible things to happen, but when they do, God is still present. I agree wholeheartedly, Zach. And I feel that every day since then, I have tried to enjoy the seasons of people flowers, the things I love. I spend time this last winter with the snowfall making snow angels with my granddaughter. And it was a big joke in the family that I'm going to get down in the snow, but who's going to help me <laughs> up? So I said, no, if I'm making angels, God will give me enough strength to get up. But you can, with help, and support, you can get over it. And you can go back to having a rich, full life. As I've said before, suicide is a, a reflex, it's a final solution to a temporary problem. Mm -hmm. And it's important that you look at it that way that if you just have the strength to walk away from the suicide tendencies, the problem will either dissipate or lessen, or God will help you find a way out. I want to talk for a bit about the value of community. Um, Shirley, you have always been somebody focused on, on building and facilitating community, being a part of community, bettering the community. Um, when my family and I first moved to Berkeley, I got to know Shirley. Um, and she said, well, I'm not going to be very involved in the church. I've got too much other stuff I'm doing. And lo and behold, she still is very involved in the church too, and somehow manages to uh, do it all more or less. Shirley, what are some of the endeavors you've been involved in in the wider community over the years? I have been a docent at the Detroit Zoo, giving school children tours. Um, I have been a friend of the Berkeley Library for I don't know how many years, a member of the Chamber of Commerce, uh, president of the Homeowners Association for Oakland Manor for about 20 years. Um, as I say, I'm a professional volunteer, and I've kind of got my finger or my nose stuck in everything. And I have chaired four school millages. I'm extremely proud of the... Berkeley School District. Um, they do a wonderful job of teaching our young people and have served as PTA president. I've had I have a lifetime membership to the PTA and I've worked with the 
uh, cruise fest that we have every year to feed the volunteers that the police, the fire, the dog, bomb sniffing dogs, everything. Um, and it, the list goes on and on. And I just feel that if you want a better world, you need to contribute. It's easy to set back and complain, but if you want change, you have to be part of the change. So you need to volunteer. What value do you find in being a part of Christian community in particular, being part of a church family? I find that it's a quiet, reassuring, totally safe place. When I come here, I don't have any feelings of do I belong, don't I, what's going on, who's this, who's that. I belong here. I have spent 70 years of my life off and on in this building. Um, I feel being part of this community, I feel privileged because I have been to other churches, other denominations, and have not felt the warmth that I feel within this one, whether it's having a potluck breakfast. We're big on food. We like to feed people. Absolutely. And I feel very good. I can call Zach and come in and sit and tell him if I'm upset. An example, I went to a funeral a couple of years ago, and I was very upset at the fact that they insinuated in the service that uh, my friend would not be accepted in heaven, and Zach had to talk me down. I was ready to go punch the pastor of that Which church. would have been epic, for the record. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and probably well-deserved. And then a few years later, he came to my aid when I lost a very good friend who didn't have a permanent religious convictions, and he did a fabulous job of making his funeral service very personal and very, very appropriate and made me personally feel very proud. And I was so comforted at that funeral the minute that Zach walked in and I hugged him, I knew the extension of my church was there to support me and help me through this really hard time. And the church has. When I was going through my divorce, Pastor Pat, uh, he gave my ex-husband and myself counseling. And there again, it goes back to a, a mental situation. My ex-husband was a manic depressive with paranoid tendencies. And I had a two-year-old, and I felt that in order to have him grow up healthy, I had to leave my husband, which was extremely difficult for me. But 
Reverend Pat helped me through that crisis. So the church has been a place that I've always come like a safe harbor. I've known that there's love here and understanding, which is as important to me as the love. What would you say to someone who maybe doesn't view the church as a safe harbor, someone who maybe has been hurt by, by, you know, a church in the past or, um, who feels like church is, is a place of judgment, not a community of love and belonging. What, what encouragement would you offer someone to take the risk and try being a part of a faith community? I think it's almost like friendship. You have to be a friend to have a friend. And I think that's part of a church. You have to show your willingness. And if you're in a situation where you're at a church that you don't feel comfortable, maybe move to another one. Um, Since I've been here, I have in Berkeley, in this church, I have been through, I don't know, eight or 10 different ministers. And we don't always see eye eye to eye. But if you feel comfortable seeking God, go and find the home that you feel comfortable in. And I highly recommend this one because it's very comfortable. <laughs> Who would not be welcome here? Oh, no one that I can think of. Uh, you make that very, very open. It's like the opening line that you open the services with that we're all welcome. And I can't remember it like you do, whether whatever nationality, whatever, whether you're a vegan, a hunter, you do that. And I've another thing that I think has made me so happy, we have accepted gay people or that I have good friends who have had uh, uh, children that have been gay and have been turned away by other religions that have felt not wanted. And I keep telling them, y'all come. We love you all. And God made these people the way they are. And we don't, we are not the people that should be judging. That's God's job. And it's one I don't want. That's right. There is a judge. His name is Jesus Christ. His <laughs> yes. name is not Shirley Hansen or Zach Dunlap or any of us. Yes. Um, Jesus said, by this, all people will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And at Birmingham first and Berkeley first, that's something we really try to make real. Surely, any closing uh, thoughts or words of wisdom for us? You're coming to the wrong person for wisdom, but I always have thoughts. I really, really hope and pray that with the way our world is right now, that people wake up 
and look around. God is trying to tell us something. The pandemic, the weather, the hatred that's out there. We need to start and find a place of love. And this church is a place of love. Shirley, it's a joy to be the church with you. Thanks for being a part of this today. My pleasure, Zach. You know I can talk anytime with you. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Church Folks. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Birmingham and Berkeley First on our websites, fumcbirmingham.org and berkeleyfirst.org. Remember, if you're feeling down and out or experiencing suicidal ideations, reach out. There's love. There's community. There's a place for you and a purpose for your life in the continually unfolding story of God's love in Jesus Christ. Peace. Here's the outro for Jeremiah Wade Olson, episode nine. That concludes this episode of Church Folks. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Birmingham and Berkeley First on our websites, fumcbirmingham.org and berkeleyfirst.org. Whether it's through our church or some other church, We hope you take the time to be part of beloved community, seek justice, and share your stories. Peace. This is the outro for episode 10 with Rachel. That concludes this episode of Church Folks. Rachel and I will meet you next. Oop, there was a ding. Let me wait a second and start that over again. That concludes this episode of Church Folks. Rachel and I will meet you here again next week as we wrap up our interview together and share about how God calls and equips each of us for mission in the world. In the meantime, you can find out more about Birmingham and Berkeley First on our websites, fumcbirmingham.org and berkeleyfirst.org. Remember that you too are called. You too are invited into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Take time this week to be a part of beloved community, grow in your faith, and share your stories. Peace.
Okay, here is a custom intro for episode 11 with Rachel. I'm Zach Dunlap, pastor of Multi-Site at Birmingham and Berkeley First. Welcome to Church Folks, the new podcast where we interview folks from our church community about who they are and what God is doing in their lives. Throughout the Bible, people are encouraged to bear witness to what they have seen and heard. Continuing in that tradition, this podcast offers a forum for people to get to know one another and be inspired. Our hope is that the stories of these church folks empower you to share your stories. You know what? I'm going to start over again with that. A door just crashed in the background. I'm Zach Dunlap, pastor of Multi-Site at Birmingham and Berkeley First. Welcome to Church Folks, the new podcast where we interview folks from our church community about who they are and what God is doing in their lives. Throughout the Bible, people are encouraged to bear witness to what they have seen and heard. Continuing in that tradition, this podcast offers a forum for people to get to know one another and be inspired. Our hope is is that the stories of these church folks empower you to share your stories, to inspire others, and to be a part of beloved community together. Last week was part one in a two-part conversation with my colleague and wonderful wife, Pastor Rachel Dunlap. You're listening to part two. And here is an outro for that same week, uh, the second episode with Rachel. That concludes this episode of Church Folks. It was fun going back and forth with Rachel, and I hope you got something to take away from our conversation. Remember that you too are called and equipped to be about God's good work in this world. Take time this week to be a part of beloved community, grow in your faith, and share your stories. Peace.